into another edition of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross, I am your host, and we are part of the Built in Buffalo Podcasting Network. So, this is the first podcast since training camp has started, and I know everybody is psyched about that. The Bills had a pretty good crowd at the stadium this weekend for the first public practice. Obviously, it was probably nice for them to get back to having fans in the stands, even though it was only training camp. As you might expect, Josh Allen got a pretty big ovation, and people were chanting MVP at one point, which isn't surprising since he was an MVP candidate after all. And of course, the big news around Josh is the contract extension. And to be quite frank, Josh Allen, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott don't really seem that concerned about it. And quite frankly, neither am I. I know there's been a lot of people talking about, well, if you wait, you're going to have to pay him more. And I understand that that's how the salary cap works and that's how contract signings work. You want to get um, you know, your guy signed ahead of all the other guys at his position when they come up for a contract. However, I don't feel this way about the Josh Allen contract. In fact, I think that the reason that they've sort of put a deadline on it as far as the beginning of this year and not wanting to negotiate during the season, and then waiting till next year is because I think that they were going to pay him. They were comfortable with a range of paying him no matter what. If he does win the MVP, or the Bills do win the Super Bowl, or you know he does both of those things, whatever the case may be, I think that the Bills have had it in their mind that they're going to have to pay him anywhere from, let's say, $43 million a year to $46 million a year. And I know some of you are saying, oh, well, $3 million matters. And it does to a point. But my point is, is that the salary cap's going up. You're going to have to pay the guy. You're prepared to pay the guy. When you get that high <laughs> of a figure, it kind of doesn't really matter. So you've got to be prepared to pay whatever you need to pay. And I'm sure the bills are prepared for that. So... Not, I'm not concerned about it. Brandon Bean said that, hey, maybe they won't get it done until next summer. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't want to say the doomsday scenario. There's not really a doomsday scenario, although you don't want to wait until after 2022 when you know Josh will at least have the the ability to become a free agent potentially because then his contract really will be up. So you don't want that. And I know the Bills want to get it done prior to next season because they want to be able to manipulate those fifth-year options for Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, and you can't manipulate those if there's no contract after that. Like, if there's not a sixth or seventh or eighth year, there's nothing you can do about it. You're just stuck with that number. But once you add those numbers in, then suddenly you can start to play with that, lower that number down. So I'm not really that worried about it. And as far as training camp goes, and I, I don't put a lot of stock in the preseason games, but I guess I do put a certain amount of stock in preseason practice. And yesterday was the first day of pads, and we'll get to that in a minute. You know, Josh Allen has looked really good, and you wouldn't expect anything less. Like, the talk about the regression to me is silly, doesn't make sense, and you expect somebody who's worked hard and who has his kind of abilities to continue the progress and the playing, you know, the level of play, given that he's with basically all the same people, the same offensive coordinator, so that should continue, and it has. So no real surprises there. I do have to say that my man Dawson Knox looked really good 
I did see some pictures uh, and some short videos of the public practice. And, uh, you know, it was good to see. The stadium looks a little weird without fans and fully on board without the fans. Last year, I was totally on board with that. But I got to say, it does look nice. You know, it looks different. It looks... Uh, it, it, you can almost see the energy in the pictures, I guess, come through in the pictures when the fans are there. So that was nice to see, and it was a sunny day, and I'm sure everyone who was there had you know lots of fun, and, th- and that's kind of the point. And b- before we talk strictly about training camp, there are a few things I wanted to mention, and one of them is Mario Addison, uh, I believe, had an interview yesterday morning, and I found some of the stuff that he had to say really interesting. He said he's he's glad to have Rousseau and Basham here. And that when he signed in Buffalo, he never signed to be like an every-down player. He signed because he was going to be a pass-rushing specialist. Now, you can say what you want about his contract, and, and oh, that's maybe a, a separate discussion. But he, he was saying that you know he, last year he played you know, 50, 60 snaps a game. And he doesn't want to play that many. That's that's not what he signed up to do because by the time you get to those pass rushing snaps, he's tired. He's worn out from other things. So in his mind, having you know Epinesa, Rousseau, Basham, whoever it may be, take those reps so he's fresher, that's good for him. And I also think that this whole thing about him getting cut, I think at this point it should be put to bed. I don't see any way this guy gets cut especially after an interview like that where he says he's glad they're there, he wants to play less snaps, he wants to be in more pass-rushing situations, and that's what they signed him to do. Why would they cut that guy then? It, it makes absolutely no sense. And staying on the theme of the defensive line, early reports from training camp is that F.A. Obata looks really good. So I know it's early, but for those of you who had Obata getting cut you might not want to, you know, put that one in permanent marker, put it in a pen, because he's been looking great, and guys have talked about, and I think the coaches have talked about as well, his ability to work inside, to work outside. Uh, Mario Addison said that he may be a better pass rusher than Mario Addison, and I know you're saying, well, then just cut Mario Addison. Okay, stop. That's not going to happen either. You want as many good pass rushers as possible. And he was giving Obata a compliment. You know, he was saying, hey, this guy's worked hard. He learns what, what I've been teaching him quick. He's he's maybe more physically gifted than me. And he's, you know, he's doing all the right things. And that's good to hear. And if you think he's going to get cut, I think that you're mistaken. And one of the most interesting battles, I think, for me, because I want them to keep seven wide receivers, but it, they may keep six is the wide receiver battle where Jake Kumaro seems to be doing it all. He plays special teams. He's about 6'4". I believe it was Levi Wallace. It might have been Dane Jackson, but I believe it was Levi Wallace, uh, you know, said that he's really a guy who sneaks up on you. He's good at everything that a wide receiver should be good at. He's able to beat you off the line, in and out of breaks well. And obviously, like I said, his size is a big factor. He has been having, so far a fantastic training camp and I believe that he's the early front runner for wide receiver six like I said I don't know if they'll keep seven but Isaiah Hodgins really needs to step up I think and answer the call I think he's kind of the other guy who people were looking at as a favorite to kind of take that sixth spot and you know I hear Hodgins had a good day at training camp yesterday, but he's also had some problems. He's had problems with contact down the field. 
Um, and, and that's not a good sign. He's six four as well, maybe a little bit uh, thinner than Kumaro. And the Bills are going to need that type of guy. I, I'm not a big, you know, you need a cert, you need one of every type of wide receiver guy. I've always believed that you just want guys who can, you know, get open and catch the football. But certainly, hearing that a guy isn't great when it comes to physical contact down the field. Uh, you know, Hodgins doesn't play special teams, as, as to my knowledge. So it seems like Kumaro has taken certainly an early lead in that battle. And, of course, you know, Isaiah McKenzie also mentioned him. It seems like he's been doing really well fielding the football on kickoffs, on punts, that kind of thing, which really puts into jeopardy uh, Marquez Stevenson and Powell, uh, you know, likelihood of making the roster. Even if they do go seven, you know, maybe they would do it then. But he certainly seems to be quelling a lot of the fears of both myself and other people who we he just had never done it before. So you're not going to believe somebody can do something until you see that they can do it, which is obviously it kind of makes sense. So far, early in camp, he seems to be at least beginning to answer those questions. So there's four or five guys who are competing for either you know one or two spots at the most, and there's some interesting back of the roster battles. Brian Dable talked about. Reggie Gilliam as a guy who, hey, you know, he's got to go out there and earn a spot. He's got to make us want to use him in the offense. And I think this relates to Spencer Brown because when he was talking, when Brian Dable was talking about the offensive line, he mentioned that, you know, they need offensive linemen to do whatever it is they need them to do, whether, you know, that's play inside, play outside. And he specifically mentioned offensive linemen playing tight end which sounds obviously like he's really mentioning Spencer Brown because, as we all know, Spencer Brown did play tight end in high school. So I think that that's something that, you know, a guy like Reggie Gilliam, a guy like Tommy Sweeney has got to really look out for because they may decide to only go with three guys, and I think those two guys are battling for a spot. Spencer Brown is going to make the roster, and if he's just as athletic, or maybe even he's more athletic than those guys, they're not going to be afraid to use him as a as a tight end in certain situations, both as a blocker and a receiver. So just another interesting battle. The back of the roster, to me, is filled with a lot of guys who are versatile, but they still can't keep them all. So you, you start to wonder, like, well, if this guy gets cut, where are they going to go from there? You know, like, if this guy gets cut, does that mean they have to keep that guy? All these these sort of things that I think that make, obviously, the back half of the roster much more interesting in these situations as opposed to the front half of the roster, which is basically set in stone. As far as the offensive line goes, uh, John Feliciano did not practice today, while I believe both, or excuse me, yesterday, although I believe both Deion Dawkins and Ike Botker were back, so that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Cody Ford. You know, Brandon Bean mentioned that they have been playing Cody Ford at right guard more than left guard this offseason. But then they also mentioned that they want to have continuity in between the center, Mitch Morse, and the right tackle, Daryl Williams. So that would lead you to believe that, you know, Feliciano will end up there again like he did last year and Cody Ford will end up at left guard. But it is a little curious because, like 
Brandon Bean said, they've been playing him a lot at, at right guard. So I think what's going to happen is is that Feliciano is going to end up moving to left guard, and they'll have Ford at right guard because I think he's just more comfortable on the right side. And you know, offensive linemen talk about having trouble moving from the left side to the right side. It's you know, it's not as easy as we out in you know the fandom and the media think it is. Your your body's been trained to to put weight on a certain way and step a certain way and, and all that kind of stuff. And you, you really have to retrain your body. So Cody Ford has been a willing participant, obviously, in doing what the team wants him to do. But I think physiologically speaking, his body has been trained to play on the right side. So let's just leave him on the right side if that's what you think is best. This is the year where you've got to figure out what he is, and and if he can take a step forward, it's obvious that Brandon Bean and and the team as well, you know, the coaches have faith in Cody Ford. Uh, they believe in him. They believe in his ability. Uh, Brandon Bean seemed pretty excited, and I'm sure McDermott would say that, oh, you know, he's got to earn it. But McDerm- McDermott's got to be excited about what the the possibility of Cody Ford is at this point. And for those of you who are – uh, longing for the recent past anyway. Apparently, Lorenzo Alexander was at uh, practice yesterday, helping out a little bit with the linebackers, uh, talking to some of the players, helping out the coaches. So I'm sure that having that type of human being, that type of, type of football player, even though he's retired, I think we all know Lorenzo's leadership and what he brings on the field, uh, trying to impart some of that onto the linebackers, you know, and that's important because the Bills do have young linebackers. You know, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, I think, can learn a lot from Lorenzo. And even though, you know, they may have been teammates briefly, it's still good to get those guys in there, to get his perspective on something. He played in the league. He played multiple positions in the league. He's got relationships with the people in the organization. It's hard to see a negative uh, for bringing that guy in, even if it's just for a day or two. Talk to some of these young guys, reinforce some stuff. He's kind of the the guy who took Tremaine Edmonds under his wing, and then eventually it was kind of the handoff of the leadership role of at least the defensive side of the football from Alexander to Tremaine Edmonds. And the linebacker room is another really interesting thing. The other day, you know, the first two guys to come off the bench were Arthur Smith and Medikevich, the you know, second team reps. And that's, you know, a bit odd because these guys are usually special teamers and they don't spend much time actually playing in games. A lot of people thought that it would be Dodson and Terrell Adams, but obviously at least that day that was not the case. So does that mean that Dodson and Adams really are the third team, you know, what happened to A.J. Klein? Why wasn't he on the field for the second team? You know, I'm not sure. Some people, uh, like Joe Marino, has theorized that those two are going to be on the team because of special teams. So maybe you have to get them used to playing just in case something happens because they may be called on to play and they don't, you know, normally play a lot. So you want to sort of get some reps in them for the regular on the regular defense, or maybe it's that Adams and Dodson haven't been playing that well. And Smith and Medikevich right now are 
above them on the depth chart. Maybe it's a little bit of a message to Adams and Dodson and A.J. Klein to say, hey, you know, these guys who more or less play special teams are putting the work in on the defensive side of the ball, and they're ahead of you right now. And quite frankly, you're supposed to be ahead of them. So you might want to put a little pep in your step. You might want to work a little harder. This is just a little bit of a warning shot from Leslie Frazier, you know, uh, Bob Babich, Sean McDermott, and say, hey, you know, nothing's being given to you. These guys, surely these guys may make the team for special teams, but they may make the team too because they're going to get on the field before you. And you don't know how many linebackers the Bills are going to keep. I can tell you it's not going to be seven. You know they're keeping Milano. You know they're keeping Edmonds. Then you got Klein, Medikevich, Smith, Dodson, Adams. One of those guys is getting cut. Maybe two, probably not two, but at least one. So there's no position on the roster where anything is really being given to anyone. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a few players who we know are going to be on the team no matter what. You know, no, no one's saying that, that they need to send a message to Stephon Diggs or Emmanuel Sanders or Jerry Hughes, who still has not yet practiced. He's still not cleared medically. Uh, you know, or Josh Allen, obviously. Uh, you know, Trey White, there's no message being sent to him. And speaking of the cornerbacks as well, Levi Wallace is going to be the starter. J- Dane Jackson is still inconsistent. I know he's a fan favorite, but Levi Wallace has been here now for, what, three years, four years. He's CB2 on this team. They rely on him. They trust him. They count on him, and he fits the scheme perfectly. He's not going anywhere this year. Maybe next year they don't re-sign him. I don't know, but he's definitely not going anywhere this year, that's for sure. And real quickly, guys, before I get out of here, going back to the defensive line for a minute, the report, at least from Mario Edison, is that Basham and Rousseau are doing well. And he said, you better look out for A.J. Epinesa. You know, A.J., according to, Mar- to Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa has taken, you know, a lot of steps in his development. And according to Addison, you better look out for him. And another guy who I think, I don't want to say he's flying under the radar, but we didn't talk much about the interior of the defensive line. But I can tell you right now, I know I think Joe Biscalia said this first. He suggested a trade, that this player might be traded. But I'm going to tell you right now, Harrison Phillips is heading down the path to be cut. And I know he volunteers at Roswell. He volunteers at Children's Hospital. And that's great. Harrison Phillips is a good guy. That doesn't mean that that guarantees you a spot on a football team. Justin Zimmer is right now is outplaying Harrison Phillips and probably Vernon Butler. Now you might say, well, maybe they should just cut Vernon Butler, and maybe they will. But I can tell you as of right now, Harrison Phillips' spot on this roster is in jeopardy. And I know there's a lot of people who don't want to hear that. I know it. But the guy who's putting it in jeopardy is a guy that many people love even more. Justin Zimmer. I hear about how all the time how he doesn't get a chance, he doesn't get an opportunity. Okay. Well, your favorite one of your favorite players in Justin Zimmer is going to get an opportunity at the expense of another one of your favorite players in Harrison Phillips, perhaps. As of right now, that's the way it looks. I'd like to thank you guys for joining me today. 
on this episode of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. I encourage you to check out all the other podcasts on the Built in Buffalo Network. Check out the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the Red Zone Report on Friday nights with me and Izzy. With that said, Bills Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process. Trust the process.